It's been just over two weeks since the day that Kevin Knox has been drafted to the New York Knicks. And on that day he was drafted, there were boos in the Barclays Center. People were screaming for Mikel Bridges and Michael Porter Jr. But I stood here on this podcast, this very program, and told you guys, I think this is the right pick. That this man, Kevin Knox, has what it takes to be a real player in this NBA. The versatility, the body, the jumper, the ability to put the ball on the floor and defend multiple positions. Now, his shooting percentage may not have been fantastic in his first three summer league appearances, but this man showed us something. He showed us his athleticism, the vicious dunks, the jump shot, the ability to take it to the rack and get to the free throw line. Now, I don't know if you're sold just yet, and I'm not telling you you should be sold. But when you look back to two weeks ago and you booing this man on draft night, do you feel silly yet? Because Summer League may not tell us everything we need to know about a player, but when you watch it and you watch game in, game out, you can tell what players are the best players on the court. And watching Kevin Knox for these past three games, that dude was on another level compared to his competition. And you can't ask for too much more than when you put somebody up against their peers. You may not be sold yet, but boys, we got something to look forward to, and that's Kevin Knox in Madison Square Garden. But also coming up on the program, I'm going to shout out some other Knicks players from this summer league and some summer league standouts from around the league. Also, some Yankees and Aaron Boone. But first, stay tuned. Listening to this song makes me think of some of these NBA free agents who were getting this money, getting this cake uh, during the summer. But you know what? Not as much as we thought. Not as much as we thought. This is a weird summer. It's one of the summers that's actually kind of in retaliation on the players' aspect uh, to that 2016 summer where everybody was getting paid. Not everybody getting paid. In fact, a guy like Clint Capella, who would have got maxed out for a $140 million contract in 2016 on day one of free agency is still waiting. He's still waiting. It's crazy. But anyways, got off track. Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, the Sports Blog New York Podcast is on iTunes. It's on Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, and of course on SportsBlogNewYork.com. You can hit me on Twitter at Pete Kennedy with two Y's. That's my Twitter. Pete Kennedy, two Y's. Let me know what you think about Kevin Knox about Frank Nielakina, Mitchell Robinson. That's what I want to talk about. Because you know what? It's baseball season, and if you listen to this program, you may know that I'm a Mets fan. So, hey, what am I supposed to do right now? Watch a completely non-memorable Mets game? Or watch what could be the makings of some franchise centerpieces, or at least corner pieces, maybe not center, but they're there. Some pieces, some real pieces to the future of the New York Knicks. I'm picking that 10 times out of 10. 10 times out of 10. Also, the Yankees are continuing to play, and they are actually interesting and worthwhile uh, in watching and talking about the Mets, you know, outside of talking about whether they should be selling hard or if they're going to sell hard is one thing. But, you know, the Yankees are playing actual meaningful baseball games. And I, I, I can argue that 
uh, even a Knicks Summer League game right here, maybe the first game for Kevin Knox, or this one last night against the Lakers, is more memorable than you know game 88 in a season for any baseball team. Because uh, this, is, this is the introduction. This is where we first saw our first-round draft pick step onto the court and prove that he belongs against his peers. And like I said in the open, I'm not trying to sit here and, and fool you and say, this dude's a surefire all-star. This dude's a future Hall of Famer. I'm not, I'm not going crazy. I'm not here to put some Knicks propaganda uh, you know, in your head. And if you take it as that, that's fine. Because you know what? It, it, it almost is deserved to be that. Because this man showed out. I'm not talking about Knicks publications or the New York papers or you know, your, your New York or Knicks-based media outlets. I'm talking about national outlets. I'm talking about The Ringer. I'm talking about ESPN at large. When they're talking about standouts from this summer league, one of the first names out of everybody's mouth is Kevin Knox. So what I'm going to do real quick for you guys is slow the roll, okay? I'm going to play a little devil's advocate against myself because he is a standout. He has shown up. He has shown a lot on the court. But let's remember, it hasn't been all pretty, okay? So first things first, his three-point jump shot was not specifically sharp in the first couple games. It wasn't until game three in which he went five for seven from three on his 29-point explosion to where that three-pointer really looked sharp. So he, he took a lot of shots. He averaged 23 points over these couple games, which is fantastic. Top five in the summer league. And also, shout out to uh, my dog, who you may be hearing in the background. Apologize about that. Uh, <laughs> you know, when, when a dog sees somebody outside the window, you really, you just can't stop them. You can't, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Now, hopefully, my dog will, will quiet down. But let me talk about my other dog, Kevin Knox. He showed some dog in the summer league. He showed some toughness. He was taken to the rack. And I think it became a little frustrating for me because it really felt like he should have finished a lot more of those strong takes to the rack where he got to the free throw line or just missed a semi-contested layup. But his willingness to put the ball on the ground and to take on contact and to try and hit those shots and really, you know, confidently take the shots, it shows something. Now, those shots aren't going to get easier to make when he goes into the actual games of the NBA. And that's why I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay here and, and keep it slow and keep it steady. I'm trying to remind you guys that this guy is not going to be Ben Simmons. He's not going to average 19 points and 7 rebounds, 7 assists. That's not going to happen. You know, he probably won't even be Jason Tatum. I'm not going to rule anything out. I mean, obviously he's not on a team like the Boston Celtics either. But he probably won't even be a 16-point-a-game very efficient guy. That, that has to be said, right? Because, you know, there's, there seems to be no happy medium when it comes to Knicks fanhood, right? There's no happy medium. There's no a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It either is, oh, my gosh, Kevin Knox has arrived. The future is now. Like, let's get it. Or it's, all right, Knicks fans, chill out. Kevin Knox is about to be Andrew Wiggins. He's a bust. He's this. He's that. Relax. He's missing all these shots anyway. Realistically, it is in the middle of those two concepts right there, right? He shot 39% from the field. That's not great. But he also was dunking on people's heads, hitting threes, accepting challenges on defense, and showed a willingness to move the ball that I didn't exactly expect. I'm not going to lie. 
on the fast break, making nice passes, really helping out on the offensive and defensive glass. There were a lot of things to be happy with when we watched this man, Kevin Knox, in Summer League. So just, you know, keep keep your role a little bit slow, but be excited. Be damn excited. Come on. There was a lot to be excited about watching him. A lot. So don't let the haters come in and and kind of knock your spirits down and be like, oh, it's just Summer League, you know, because everybody who's not a real hardcore Hoops fan will poo-poo Summer League until until they die. It's fine. I get it. I'm not sitting here watching preseason baseball and, and, and you know, hyping up this guy or that guy, but if somebody shows up and hits five home runs in the preseason, you're going to say, oh, well, you know, this guy's got a little pop, right? Let's see if he can do it now. But he showed it, and this guy showed it. Another guy who showed something for us, is our second-round pick, Mitchell Robinson. Now, this dude has arms for days. I mean, his wingspan is incredible. His activity was incredible until probably the second half of the third game against the Lakers where he did look fatigued. And that's going to be the problem for Mitchell Robinson, right? Because what did we fall in love with in these first three games? We fell in love with that offensive rebound, that quick burst when he catches the ball near the rim to just dunk it in with, with ease, seemingly. You fall in love with that right away. He, he had some incredible blocks. But his conditioning is going to be off. Luckily, he won't be asked to play 25, 30 minutes a night. And he is still very raw. I mean, once he gets the ball in his hands, if he's not in dunking territory, which is quite the large territory for him, I must say, he doesn't have a, a wide repertoire. And that's okay. He's raw, and we know it. But when you look at the grand scheme of Mitchell Robinson and the New York Knicks direction, seeing a pick like that come to fruition this early and prove that it was a worthy second-round pick, a very good swing, a very good risk on a guy who could have been a lottery pick, that has to give you some confidence about the evaluation of talent from this franchise's front office. You know, I've been pretty pro-Scott Perry since he's been here, and I, I continue to feel that way. They have a plan, and they're executing it. David Fisdale is right on board. They want guys who have length, defensive versatility, can move the ball, and shoot the ball. And when you think about the acquisitions like Mario Hazonia and Kevin Knox and even Alonzo Trier, who doesn't really move the ball very much, I must say, but can shoot the ball, and even Troy Williams you saw some nice sparks from in Summer League. Damian Dotson's shot did not look very good, I must say, but he knows what he's doing out there. He's a strong defender. The direction is there, and they're sticking to the plan. And we talked about this, I think, on last week's podcast in regards to the Mets and the Yankees. And the Knicks have been way more Mets than Yankees in the past, right? I think that's pretty fair to say, and it's not a compliment. But it seems now since this new regime has taken over, since Scott Perry's here, now with David Fisdale running the team, running the show, there's, there is some more Yankees to the Knicks than Mets. And when I say that, I mean there's a plan, there's direction, and there's some transparency. Now, I don't want my franchise to you know tell me everything. We don't need to know everything, right? Especially when I say we, I mean us non-media members. Obviously, you know, Ian Begley is going to know more than you and I, right? But we want to we want to know. We're fans of this team. I have a damn podcast that's important. <laughs> I say jokingly. 
But we need to know some things, right? And when you think about the New York Yankees, and I use this exact example um, with Masahiro Tanaka a week or so back, he got hurt, and he had a bullpen session. The Yankees told us he threw 48 pitches. He used all his pitches. He threw them all with force. He says he feels good. He's going to do a rehab start. He should be back by All-Star break. It's explicit. It's transparent. With the Mets, who the hell knows what's going on with Yoannis Cespedes? Who the hell knows what's going on with uh, Noah Syndergaard? I mean, this man's supposed to have been making his next start for the past week and a half. With this New York Knicks team, Frank Nielakina didn't play game three. Okay, his groin's not feeling right. It's a summer league game. We're not even going to worry about it. We're not going to throw him out there. We're not going to give people uh, multi-year contracts. We want to make sure we have as much cap flexibility as possible come to next summer. And what do they do? One-year deal here. Use their mid-level exception there. Sign another two-way guy. Bring back Luke Cornett. Now, those aren't exciting moves. I get it. Those aren't, you know, uh, franchise busters. They're not blockbusters. They're not, you know, lighting up the headlines. But it's all along the plan. And it makes me excited, I must say. But to hop back to actual on-court basketball stuff here for a minute, I'm going to take a quick moment to talk about Frank Nielakina. Because he seems to be slightly, you know, it, there's not a clear feel on Frank Nielakina from a fan perspective. There's a lot of Frank defenders out there. There's a lot of people who still think he has it, uh, has what it takes to be a real player in this league. There's some people who expect maybe too much of Frank Nielakina. And then there's some people who are trying to write him off and say he, he's not aggressive enough. He can't score. He can't shoot. He can't do this. He can't do that. All he can do is defend. He's not a point guard. He's a, and that's bothersome to me. And this goes back to one of my original points of this podcast here. There needs to be a middle ground on this path back to becoming a respected franchise. Because over the past, what, since 2012-13, this has not been a respected franchise. It just hasn't been. You don't go from 0 to 100. You don't go from the last place team to the first place team. And I know a lot of people now are looking at these Philadelphia 76ers trusting the process, and they're saying, look at them. Look what they did. They were, you know, picking in the top five, and then they were a playoff team. Look at that. Well, that's a little different because they had a guy named Joel Embiid who would have been the number one pick in his draft if he wasn't injured. Then they had a guy in Ben Simmons who was the number one pick in his draft, came back in year two. It's a different story. You can't compare the Knicks to a team like the 76ers who had all those swings in the lottery because the Knicks haven't had that many swings. They traded all their picks away. you got to remember that. But in talking about one of those picks brings me back to Frank Nielakina. And in that second game that he played against the Utah Jazz, I saw something that we don't typically see from him. It was aggression. It was looking for his shot while also controlling the offense. He was looking to score. And uh, a good friend of the program, friend of mine on Twitter, uh, Carmine Detello, hit me up on Twitter with a very good thought about Frank Nielakina. And basically he said, this dude's got to be tired of all these questions about his aggression. He be, like, he's got to be so done with that question. He's hearing it from coaches. You know, they asked Fisdale, what's Frank got to do? He's got to be more aggressive. He's got to look for his shot. He's almost too, he's almost too unselfish. 
And Carmine pointed out perfect. He's got to be tired of that. The media after the game. Frank, you know, how'd you feel about your game? Oh, you know, good. I get the feel of it, blah, blah, blah. Oh, do you think you need to be more aggressive? He, he's got to be rolling his eyes in his head. He's got to be like, oh, this question again, the aggression thing again. And I think in that second game, he came out and tr- tried to shut those people up. He had those turnaround little post-up moves that he did. He got to the rack a little bit. He was more uh, assertive inside the lane. Looked for his shot, like I said. He caught the ball on the wing and shot without hesitation. And one thing I've always thought about Frank is that his jump shot looks clean. It looks smooth to me. It doesn't look broken. It looks fluid. Off the catch, you know, off the off the dribble, he likes to shoot from that elbow area. There he gets a little hitchy sometimes. It looks like he hesitates just a little bit. But you didn't see that quite as much in Game 2. Now, unfortunately, we didn't get to see him in Game 3 to see if he really put everything together and came out even more aggressive. But, and I know this is such an easy cop-out thing to say, but it's true. And when it's true, it's true. This dude is 20 years old. He was younger than half the people who were drafted in the first round of this year's draft. Not just his own draft. He was younger than people in this draft, okay? And he already proved he can do things on the court. He has good court vision. He has good ball control. We all know his defense projects to be fantastic. If it's not already very good. You have to give this dude some time. And when I'm trying to sit here and tell you to not let to let this thing simmer and to not expect it to go from 0 to 100 or from 11 seed to 5 seed. It's not how it works. Unless you pull in one of these big free agents, unless you get a Ben Simmons on your team who's going to be an all-star in year two. You don't make a jump like that. And now maybe Kevin Knox comes in and shakes it up, and he averages 18 points per game and looks great and shoots the three and gets to the rim. This team's still a 30-win team. But that's okay. You know why? Because there truly is a good type of bad in this NBA. And you saw it with the Lakers last year. And it's a perfect time to bring this example up because the Knicks just played the Lakers. Last year, they ended up with 35 wins, had a really good stretch or two, even battling injuries from Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. But you saw that they they now had a culture. They now had a plan of attack going into every game. They were going to play fast. They are going to get their shots up. They are going to play a little bit of risky defense, which is just you know their method. That's their plan. And Lonzo was a cog in that. And you may have you may have to really think if Brandon Ingram and Lonzo weren't hurt, do they get up to 38 wins? Do they teeter around 40 wins, four, uh, 500? And then obviously they sign LeBron James, but let's say they don't sign LeBron James. Let's just, let's use a hypothetical here. They don't sign LeBron James, and they sign Paul George, who is nothing compared to LeBron James. They now have an infrastructure around a star like that because LeBron kind of skews it too much. I'm using Paul George here. But they now have an infrastructure with young talent who built an identity on their own, who showed signs of life, and who played hard night in and night out. If you've listened to this program over the past couple years and heard me talk about tanking in the NBA and the process, there's been one thing that I've stayed very true to. There is a difference between tanking without culture and tanking with culture. 
And Brett Brown, why he deserves so much credit, is the one thing that he had the Sixers doing even when they had no talent. That team played hard no matter what. They could be getting smacked. They can be in a tight game here and there and not know how to finish it, but they're bringing it every night. And Brett Brown instilled that culture, and he made them play defense. Robert Covington was on a losing team for his whole career. And then last year for 82 games, this dude was a defensive stalwart, a pretty good shooter, even though he slipped up in the playoffs. And he was a key component on one of the best defenses in the league. Now, obviously, it wasn't Robert Covington or TJ McConnell who put that team over the hump, but they were part of the culture. And if you look at the New York Knicks, and you look about Frank Nielakina and Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson and Troy Williams, Mario Hazonia, who has a lot to prove, who bet on himself, who gave up the opportunity at more money to play with the Knicks, to play under Fisdale and Scott Perry. And I know it's not the grab of the century. It's not the best free agent signing of the year. But that says something. And now, in a year or two years, if there is even a J.J. Redick to join the Knicks, or if there is a Paul George to join the Knicks, or, you know, I'll say it, because it's been out there, a Kyrie Irving or a Jimmy Butler, they need those other dudes to be players. You need Frank to grow and play hard night in, night out. You need Kevin Knox to show it on both ends of the floor. You need Mario Hazonia to put his ego to the side a little bit and become a team player. And there's a feeling around this team that that is going to be instilled and going to be the number one priority. Defense, versatility, ball movement. That's all we ask for. So have your hopes up, Knicks fans. Keep your hopes up. Don't let them get too high, and don't sit out here and trash Summer League and trash their pick and trash what they're doing because this is different. I'm confident to say that. I'm confident to say that Fisdale has a plan and he's going to execute it. I'm also confident to say this is not a winning team yet, but do they have a winning culture? I think they're on their way. But speaking of winning cultures, we can talk about the Yankees for a hot minute. But first, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I mean, for real. Thank you for tuning in. Sports Blog New York Podcast. I'm Pete Kennedy. Two Y's on the end of my name. Pete Kennedy on two Y's on Twitter. Uh, just, I really do appreciate it. You know, I come out here, uh, like to talk sports, talk New York sports, Knicks, Yankees. Football is around the corner, and I'm so very excited. But, you know, I... I do this podcast for a number of reasons. One being, I really enjoy talking sports, and I really enjoy the conversation. I like to interview people. I like to get the chat going. I like to debate. Also, I have aspirations in this industry to grow, build my voice, work on my craft, you know, all that. Hopefully get a chance one day on a radio or TV program. And this is just part of the journey. So if you're here during this part of the journey, that means the world to me. It really does. And also, I've uh, recently picked up a job at WFAN. I don't know if you heard of it. <laughs> if you're a New Yorker, you probably have. The Fan, WFAN Sports Talk Radio. Been working behind the glass, producing some shows, running the board for guys like JJ and Steve Summers and all that stuff. And I see the grind. I see the passion. 
this town has some some extra type passion, man. It has some extra type passion, and I just want to I just want to ensue that into this podcast, into this program. So again, thank you for listening up. Uh, definitely let me know what you think about Kevin Knox and Nick's picks, their their future, their culture building, all that jazz. I want to hear about it. But moving on to a team that has that culture, that has that confidence, that even with all their uh, fans' little complaints here and there. They got a lot going for them, and they're in a position to be one of the best teams in the league to possibly win their division, even though the damn Red Sox are right there. The New York Yankees, man. The New York Yankees really got something here. But yet, there's a lot that needs to be done, and it's kind of crazy. I mean, think about the New York Yankees right now. They're 59-31. and 31. It's a fantastic record. They started off 8-8 eight and eight after 16 games, and they screamed back, just couldn't stop winning, and they're behind. They're behind three and a half games to the Boston Red Sox right now. And I'm going to talk about Aaron Boone in just a moment, but before I do, since we're talking so much about culture today, we're talking about that winning mentality, I need to shout-out Brian Cashman. I really need to shout-out Brian Cashman because I've – and I've – uh cited this interview a couple times on this podcast before, but I'm going to do it again because it's one of the most impressive, simple lines I've ever heard out of a GM, out of the, quote, brain trust, as people like to call it, of an organization. On the Michael K. show, Michael K., after a long interview with Brian Cashman, kind of, you can, you can hear in his voice, he, like, kicked back a little bit and was like, all right, Brian, all right, Mr. Cashman, can you relax now a little bit? This is before the season started. Can you relax now? Can, do you feel like you uh, you guys are uh, have reached your 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 end goal of talent? Like, can you sit back and just enjoy it yet? And his answer was basically, and I'm paraphrasing, no direct quotes here. It was absolutely not. He he goes, no. He goes, I can only relax after we win a championship. And even then, he's still looking for the next move. And the one thing that was a direct quote out of Brian Cashman's mouth was this. He said, right now we're just wild card winners of the American League. And my next goal is to win the division. And until that happens, I'm doing whatever I can to make this team better. And that right there is such a simple quote, such a simple concept, such a very focused way to look at his team, at his organization. Because it is really easy to look at the Yankees as a fan or as a non-fan, just maybe a baseball fan in general, maybe as a Mets fan, and say, this team was in the conference championship in the ALCS. What do they have to worry about? They're 59-31. You know what this game has to, uh, this team has to worry about? A wild card game. Because it's called a wild card game for a reason. You got one shot. Winner, go home. And in the game of baseball... Anything can happen in one game. So for a while, I was kind of frustrated with Yankee fans, you know? I'm sitting back thinking, come on, Yankee fans. Can you just enjoy this? You don't need an all-star at every position. You guys are really good. Even with some of your guys struggling, you can't stop winning. But the more I've worked with uh, some of these great hosts at the fan, the more I've listened to these passionate callers, the more I've talked to my friends who are diehard Yankee fans, I really do understand it. I do. And maybe it's because I'm a Mets fan, and I'm not used to that. 
Maybe it's because I'm a Knicks fan, and I'm not used to that. But when you demand excellence, and you just always want to get one step better every chance you can, you can't stop. And when you see the Boston Red Sox three and a half games up on you, when you're almost 30 games over 500, that's frustrating. And you don't want to be facing the Mariners in a one-game playoff. Or, God forbid, the Mariners you know, edge out the Astros in, in the AL West. And you got to face the Astros in a wild-card game? Oh. Oh, man, you don't want that. You don't want that because you can be the better team all you want. You don't want to play the good winner go home game in September, in October. Yeah, no, no, no. So I'm, I'm sitting here today basically saying I need to lay off a little bit. I get it. Yankee fans, I apologize to my friends when I throw shade or poke fun or just be like, you guys got to chill. Your team's awesome. Don't you know what I have to watch when I choose to watch baseball? But that's not the right way to look at it. The right way to look at it is Brian Cashman's perspective. Right now, all the Yankees are were the American League wildcard winners. That's it. Who happened to make a little run to the ALCS. The next step, win division. Beat the Boston Red Sox. And then go for the World Series. Because you don't just win the World Series. (laughs) You don't just win it. You got to make it there. Then you got to win it. And the guy who should be a very big component here in this run is the new manager, Aaron Boone. And this is where I really want to hear from you guys, where I want to hear from you Yankee fans. you got to hit me on Twitter. Because I don't know how, how most Yankee fans really do feel about this guy. Well, the only way I can judge is, like I said, from these callers I, I talk to on the fan, from people I see on Twitter, from my friends who I talk to. And I can't really get a good grasp on it. And I want to talk about Aaron Boone. Do you believe he's been doing a good job? Do you believe this man has a true grasp on the team right now? Setting a lineup. Working the bullpen. Because you guys got the talent, right? But the offense seems a little bit home run reliant. The bullpen, as strong as it is and how good Batances has been how good Chapman has been, still seems to keep their fans on edge every single game. And for some reason, this lineup just isn't clicking quite yet. There's something in the in the movements of the lineup that just hasn't gotten them going just yet. Scoring a lot of runs, scoring probably, I think they might be scoring most runs in the league, but it still feels like something's missing, right? And Severino's been good, and Sabathia's been good. We trust Tanaka. Some nice little starts from Luis Siga. But is Aaron Boone leaving something to be desired? And friend of the program, often co-host of the program, Alec Argento, has a theory that he's been kicking around for a long time, and I don't even think he believes it's a theory. I think he thinks it's just facts. That's how he rolls. That's okay. I'm going to use it as a theory so far. Because I don't have statistics on it, (laughs) and I don't just call something with no statistics facts. That's how Alec rolls, not I. But he does seem to have a point. When Aaron Boone brings in a reliever and they go for more than one inning, stuff seems to get a little bit wishy-washy. And we saw it with Chad Green 
last night. Chad Green, who's been fantastic, who is one of the better arms who can actually go an extended period of time in games out of the bullpen. He came in for an inning, got the job done. Second inning he was in, boom, runs. And it was another, uh, not another, but it was a blown lead to the Orioles, who is a team that the Yankees just can't afford losing to at this point. And it was at the hands of the bullpen. To me, as a semi-New York Yankees outsider, I, I picture Aaron Boone's job thus far as, as a B plus A minus, something that's been very good, something that I've believed is, is pretty impressive for just, you know, the, the spotlight on his position. The media that's grilling him after every game. I, I listen to those post games. I cut them up at work. He answers every question. He gives reasonable thoughts to every question. He, 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 he expects the questions, you know? Aaron Hicks leaves the game the other day. He comes out with a little hip or groin. I forget what it was. Hip flexor, maybe. And he, he knows the doubleheader's coming up. We have a doubleheader on Monday. I need to give him the day off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him out. I'm not going to risk it. We need this guy in the lineup. And it seems like he has that grasp. You know, Glaber Torres goes on the DL. He comes out and talks to us and says, Hey, I don't think it's super-duper serious. We're going to put him on the DL. He's definitely a little strained right now. MRI came back with a strain. We think he'll be all right, but we can't risk him. We can't risk losing him for longer. We're going to sit him down. We're going to rest him up. After the All-Star break, he comes back stronger than ever. Those are the types of things I like to hear from a manager. The underlying positivity. The underlying plan that holds true uh, across many a scenario. You know, a guy looks banged up, he needs the rest. And he comes out and says, listen, I know giving a guy a rest day randomly, even when they're 23 years old, can seem frustrating to a fan. But the way we look at it, if we can sit a guy down today to optim- help optimize his performance tomorrow, instead of having two mediocre performances, that's how we're going to roll. That's how we're going to do it. And I think it's kind of frustrating for fans. You know, seeing a 23-year-old needing an off day. Or even a guy like Aaron Hicks needing an off day. Maybe a guy who's not a true everyday player. who gets a little hot and all of a sudden he's out of the lineup. And you're like, what? But there is a plan. So in my semi-outsider humble opinion here. As much as I was just talking about how I think... Yankee fans' attitude of having that slight panic, or maybe not panic as the right word, but that that real push to keep grinding, to keep getting better, to keep making moves, to make that trade for the pitcher, to make another uh, trade for a bat. I get that, and I think you guys have your head in the right direction, but I also believe you should be very pleased with the performance of Aaron Boone so far. I think for a first-year coach coming into this situation with all this talent, all this personality. He has the two leaders running running the show, CeCe Sabathia and Brett Gardner. That's for sure. But I think from a control standpoint, this man has done a really good job controlling the team. Now you can maybe disagree with some X's and O's with a bullpen guy here or a, or, or a, or a day off there for a, for a hitter. But overall, the confidence is there for me when it comes to Aaron Boone. And I can hear it in his voice in post games. 
And despite not all of his moves working out, because not every move is going to work out, there seems to be a decisiveness when it comes to him and these New York Yankees right now. I guess just what can't happen here is uh, losing to the Orioles. Right? That kind of hurts. That kind of hurts because they're they're not very good. The Orioles, they're not they're not very good. But coming up for the Yankees, you got one more game against the Orioles today. You got the Indians coming up. And then you got some days off before we play the Mets after the All-Star break. A little Mets-Yankees series. This one's going to be at the stadium in the Bronx. So it should be fun. And the Indians is going to be a very fun series. It's going to feel like a moment. I, I, I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Because, like I mentioned earlier in the beginning of this show, is that I personally would look forward to this one summer league game, which is more memorable for me, where I could see a guy like Kevin Knox, our first-round pick, and Mitchell Robinson kind of burst onto the scene and make their initial professional debut. That's more memorable to me than game 88 of a baseball season, or whatever the hell it is. But now you're talking about Yankees versus Indians in Cleveland. Kind of wish it was in New York, of course. But Yankees versus the Indians, rematch from last year's playoffs. Right before the All-Star break, when basketball is now slowing down, free agency is trickling in, Summer League's going to be uh, just the tournament, the Summer League final tournament, which, personally, the buzz for the Summer League has been there, for real. It has been real. But this should be an exciting series and hopefully bring some buzz into the MLB All-Star weekend. It should be exciting. And honestly, for the New York Yankees, you can kind of poo-poo a loss here, poo-poo a loss there. You know, you can't win them all. I always want to say that when you win two out of three, you can't be horribly, horribly frustrated about that third game loss because you did your job. You won the series. It's all about winning series. But this one feels big. Get a big win against the Orioles today. Go into a four-game set with the Cleveland Indians. That should bring a lot of excitement, and that can set up the Yankees for a strong run in the second half. Because the one thing I feel about the Yankees, I've said this before, I'll say it again. It doesn't feel to me like they've truly hit a stride yet. Which is crazy to say, being 28 games over 500. It doesn't feel like they truly hit a stride yet. So finish the All-Star break strong. Win three out of four against the Indians. Go into the break. Highlight Aaron Judge in the All-Star game. Highlight Severino who deserves it. Chapman who deserves it. You know, Glaber, I'm sad for the man that he can't be there. He can't experience his true first All-Star appearance. But boy, did he deserve it. It's exciting times. Finish out the break strong. Yankees got a big second half to go. And it's going to be big. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Tried to make this one a shorter one. And it turns out it is shorter. Just just under 40 minutes. That's not bad for me. Going solo on the SBNY podcast, SportsBlock New York, SportsBlockNewYork.com. Hit us on Twitter. Hit me on Apple Podcasts app, iTunes. Drop a little rating, five stars. Drop a review. Tell me what you think, what you like, what you want to hear more about. Do you love the Summer League talk? Do you want more of it? Oh, actually, one thing I forgot. I'm just going to go super-duper quick here. I forgot to shout out some of my other guys in the Summer League who I liked watching around the league, so I'm just going to say names. Just going to say names here of a few guys I liked. That goes to Wendell Carter Jr., Chicago Bulls. Looked very good. 
Jaron Jackson, Memphis Grizzlies. Guy's got a stroke. Guy's got size and athleticism. Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac in Orlando, looking very strong. Trey Young, the shot has not been there. 7 for 13 in Game 3. Besides that, not great. Playmaking is there. It's going to take time. He's not Stephen Curry. Trey Young is going to be in this league. He's going to be effective. Slow the roll. He's okay. Off the top, Josh Hart looking fantastic. Uh, Svi Mikhailuk on the Lakers looking fantastic. Josh Akoji, Lonnie Walker on the Spurs. Josh Akoji on the uh, Timberwolves, by the way. Colin Sexton. Shea Gilgis-Alexander looking really good. Got some faith in Miles Bridges. There are some dudes out there. There are some dudes. There's some real NBA players in this summer league who are going to be hearing their names for years to come. And they and some of them might even be making impacts right off the bat as soon as we hit the floor come October. But anyway, I don't want to take too much more time of me just rambling random names from the NBA Summer League. It's been a lot of fun. Maybe I'll come back and do some more once the tournament takes place. But to look forward to on the Sports Blog New York podcast, my man Steve Rosen, who you may not know, is a coach on Georgia State's baseball team, Division One program down in Georgia, fantastic program. Also the leader of Catch Big Academy, who you can check out on Instagram, Catch Big Academy, it's incredible. Trains all types of catchers and baseball players. Has got a couple guys drafted in the past year or so. He's going to join. We're going to talk baseball around the All-Star break and some really cool things there. I'll also let him uh, talk about the Knicks since he's a Knicks fan. Um, but again, thank you all for, so, for tuning in so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy this All-Star break. Enjoy baseball. Enjoy this series coming up against the Indians. It's going to be great. But more importantly, enjoy your day. Enjoy your week. And thank you for spending some time listening to the program.